Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. It is an honor. It is an honor to gather with God's people in this place. Amen. You know, I, I, my wife, she says I was born in the wrong century. Because if I could gather every day of the week with God's people, I would gather every day of the week with God's people. Because there's no, you don't sound too excited about that, but I am. Okay, I'm excited about that. Uh, in fact, that's what the church in the book of Acts look like. They gather daily. <laughs> Amen. And so we just give Him glory and honor, and we're going to gather daily uh, tonight through Wednesday night, and the rest of these nights will be at 6.30. There'll be a meal before at 5. Hey, by the way, I love your pastor, and your pastor's wife can play the bass. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. <laughs> it's also great to have my friends, the Rollins here. He's been an encouragement to me. I'm one of the younger DSs, and he is an elder statesman, you know, and so he helps us young guys. And so I'm thankful for that. We need revival in the church, though. I believe that with all of my heart. I'll never stop contending for it. No matter how many times people tell me to shut up, I'm just going to keep talking. Because I believe Jesus is able. And I believe what our culture needs now more than anything else is a spiritual awakening unlike this country has ever seen. In the late uh, 1990s, um, by the way, I have four children. I think I might have shared that with you this morning. My oldest son is, uh, is 26 years old. He recently married, and uh, he is a graduate from Olivet Nazarene University. Um, a, he's got a nursing degree. And so he, but he recently married, and they're living in Louisville. And he married the daughter of my... Uh, new start coordinator, so it, the, it's all in the family now, you know, so I hired a new start coordinator, he happened to have a, a daughter that was at Olivet, we got them two to go to church together, and now they're married, what do you know about that, I mean, that's just kind of the way it happens, isn't it, yeah, there you go, <laughs> but in the late 1990s, when he was just a, a young man, uh, we took him to visit Washington, D.C., and uh, there's a lot of great history in our nation's capital. Uh, however, this story is not about our trip to Washington, D.C. It's about the trip home from Washington. Uh, it was a hot day in mid-July. It was a Saturday, and we were driving back on I-95 South, back to our home in North Carolina where we were pastoring at the time, and we were hungry. It was way past lunchtime, and my son at that point, he was the only child we had, and he we ate McDonald's constantly. Did you go through that phase where you just, you went to that one place all the time? And I was tired of McDonald's. And I didn't know why I wanted to go to Denny's, but I did. I wanted to go to Denny's. I had Denny's on my mind. And so Jake, they're all saying, Dad, I'm hungry. And my wife is saying, Brian, we're hungry. Can we stop and grab something? There's a McDonald's. I said, no, we're not going to McDonald's today. We're going to go to Denny's. And, you know, there's a McDonald's at every exit, I think, uh, and there's a Denny's at every other exit. And so we finally found the first Denny's, and we, we pulled off, and 
we went in, parked the car, and, and we went in and were seated, and they brought us our drinks to the table, which was just water. All we ordered was water. And I looked down in my drink, and there was a, a long, black, crusty hair <laughs> that was matted to the inside of the glass and then matted down the out. When I say crusty, it looked like it might have had hairspray or something on it. And you know, I got an iron stomach. I could have just maybe pulled it out and drank it anyway. But uh, my wife looked down in her drink and there were three or four smaller hairs floating among the ice cubes. And after close examination, we hoped that they were eyelashes, but we think they might have been nose hairs. And so Jake looked at me and said, Dad, can we just go to McDonald's? And I said, no, we're not going to McDonald's, but we're not eating here. And so we didn't know him anything. It was just water. We, we got up and left and uh, got back on the highway. And, and what do you know, about three exits down, there's another Denny's. And again, it's, it's on past the lunch hour. It's around 2, 3 o'clock probably at this point. And uh, that Denny's looked abandoned. It was a very hot day. And we walked from the parking lot into the restaurant. And it was warmer inside the restaurant than it was outside the restaurant. And there was nobody to be seen, and from beyond a wall somewhere that I could even see, I couldn't see this person, with a loud, gruff voice, someone yelled out, the air conditions broke, and we're out of ice. So if you want something cold to drink, you better go somewhere else. Jake looked at me and said, Dad, can we go to McDonald's now? I mean, there's one across the street. I'm like, no, we're going somewhere, but it's not going to be McDonald's. I'm pretty relentless especially when it comes to food. <laughs> and so, uh, so we got back on the highway, and, and, and several miles down the road, I needed some gas, and I pulled off to get some gas. And what do you know? It was one of those new travel stations where a Denny's had been built on the end of it. You know what I'm talking about? And I thought, we're in luck. This is a brand new Denny's. And so uh, we went inside, and we were seated, and finally, this one had people in it, and we thought, wow, we finally, we're finally here. It's finally arrived. And so... Uh, we sat down in the booth, and from across the restaurant, our server began making their way toward us. And the closer our server got, the more nervous I became. The server had a, I see some blonde hair in here, but this server had really big wig a big wig, blonde, wig. Really big. And as our server arrived at our table, we noticed that they also had on more makeup than Tammy Faye Baker. You know who Tammy Faye is? And neatly trimmed facial hair. And fingernails that were so long that they curled under, you know. Now, ladies, if you like long nails, I'm talking about the Guinness Book of World Record kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. And then with a, uh, oh, and beyond that, the person had on an apron with what seemed to be some pet hairs on the apron. And I thought, this person must be doing the cooking too. And then with a really deep yet feminine voice. Our server said, can I take your order? I said, can you give me just a moment? And I looked at Jake and I said, let's go to McDonald's. I mean, 
That is a true story. And you know, I know it's, we look back and it's funny, but that has left such an impression on our family. That's been over 20 years ago. I've never been to Denny's again. I've ne- now, if you like Denny's, you know what, I'm open to, I, I'm, I never say never, I'm open to anything. But personally, I've never had the desire to go back to Denny's. Uh, my wife's never gone back to Denny's. My son's never, go, he's 26 years old, he's never gone back to Denny's. My daughter that wasn't born at the time knows the story and she's never stepped foot in a Denny's. I got two daughters from China who were living on the, who weren't born at the time, and when they were born, living on the other side of the world, who now have heard this story, and when we pass that yellow sign, they point at it, and with their Asian accent, say, ha, 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 Denny's dad, look, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) In other words, Denny's made a lasting impression on my family. What was the issue with Denny's? It wasn't a food issue. We never made it that far. And whatever it is I was craving, I have long since forgotten. It was a hospitality issue. Denny's was a bad host. And that made an impression on my life that will last the rest of my life. I want to talk to you tonight about what it means to be hosts of the Holy Spirit. If we're ever going to see revival in this land again, we're going to have to learn to be good hosts of the Holy Spirit. And and I, I hate this, but it's just the truth. There's a lot of churches that are bad hosts of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of individual Christians that are bad hosts of the Holy Spirit. Well, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and stand with me as we read from God's Word tonight. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? All right, let let me break this down before we go any further. Collectively, we are the temple of God. Where two or three gather, there He is making His presence known in a very unique and special way. Amen. Individually, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, temples of God. That means collectively we're called to be good hosts and individually we're called to be a good host. Do you not know? Paul's talking to a church that obviously wasn't being a very good host. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit dwells or resides or lives in you? Verse 17, if anyone defiles the temple, God will destroy him. That's powerful language. If anyone defiles the temple, grieves, hinders, the work of the Holy Spirit, ultimately that person will be separated from God forever in eternity. For the temple of God is holy, special, set apart 
which temple you are. Look at the person beside you and say, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. Your word never returns void. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross. Lord, I don't have anything to say. I just want Jesus to be seen and heard. Lord, I pray that Jesus will be glorified uh, through your word tonight. And I pray that you would draw everybody in this place into a closer place of intimacy with you. And God, as you do what only you can do as your word goes forth, God, I pray that our faith would increase. We love you tonight. We honor you. It's in Christ's name I pray, and together we say, amen. You may be seated. If I were going to translate those few verses from 1 Corinthians to modern language, I, I think I would say something like this. You must realize that, that you yourself are a host of the Holy Spirit. And anyone who is not a good host not only dishonors him or herself, but defames the sacred reputation of the most holy God and grieves the work of the Holy Spirit. My friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a host of the Holy Spirit. There's no Jesus without the Spirit. You don't get the Father without the Spirit. And the Spirit is with us wherever we go. And we say thanks be to God for that. We say thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us nor forsake us. But are we always aware that He's with us? Hmm. Have you ever considered what it means to be a host? I, I mean, a host is one that receives guests, right? A host is one that facilitates a gathering. Have you ever been to a gathering that wasn't hosted very well? Oh, I can tell you as a pastor, I, I've been to a lot of gatherings that, that were not hosted very well. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a North Carolina boy. I, my grandma brought, we, we were raised on buttermilk biscuits, you know. I mean, good home cooking, you know what I'm saying? And... And so when people hear, oh, he likes that kind of food, and then you go over and they've prepared your favorite meal, but it's in competition with your grandmother, you know? I mean, you could bounce the biscuits off the floor. I've had that experience before, you understand? And you're sitting there trying your best. Bad cook. The place is messy. Maybe somebody was rude. Maybe they left you, maybe they were sick. Maybe they were obnoxious. Maybe they left you sitting somewhere by yourself and, and didn't even really speak to you. Friends, that's what, it, 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 that's what bad hosts do. So, so what should we do if we want to be good hosts of the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I want to be a good host. Do you want to be a good host, church? And the first thing I believe we've got to do is we've got to learn to live continually with a sacred awareness we've got to learn to live with a sacred awareness uh, knowing that he is with us always that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother that he'll never leave us nor forsake us have you ever considered how Mary and Joseph must have felt when they heard that Mary would be giving birth to Jesus 
I mean, think about that with me for a moment. Uh, the angel shows up and, and tells each of them that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. They were going to be hosts of God in the flesh, in their home. Not for a night, not for a gathering once a week, but they were going to raise God in their house. Wow. You talk about a host. Man, can you imagine the, the, the burden of that responsibility? I mean, they raised him among their own kids. I mean, they changed God's diaper. I mean, that, that sounds strange, but it's the truth. Jesus was fully God and fully man, growing up in the home of Joseph and Mary with all their other kids. And, and I, I often think with what, such a sacred responsibility, I, I think about the different times when he was a child as they interacted with him. A, a few stand out, especially the one where they went to Jerusalem for Passover. You remember, and they left him there. They lost God. <laughs> they, they, they forgot him, you know. You know, they get a day's journey out, and they were probably traveling with a caravan back then, and they probably thought, oh, Jesus is back there with Aunt Elizabeth. <laughs> and they got to looking, and, and he wasn't there. <laughs> Man, they had misplaced God in the flesh. Hosting uh, God, hosting the Holy Spirit, my friends, it is, a, it is a sacred responsibility. And I wonder how often we're guilty of losing God. And not, not losing God like you lose your car keys or, or your cell phone. And oh man, we lose that cell phone, we'll turn the world upside down to find it. Our life is on it. We're good hosts of our cell phones. That's free, it's not in my notes. <laughs> There's no greater privilege than being a host of Almighty God in your life. Yet there's also no greater responsibility. No greater responsibility uh, think of it this way, God owns everything, amen? I mean, He owns it all. He, he owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills and all the silver and gold under the hills. He is the creator and sustainer of all life. The bodies that we're in are just on loan to us. Some of you may say, well, I don't like the one I got. You'll have to take that up with Him. He certainly, God certainly doesn't need our permission to do anything, does He? I mean, he doesn't have to ask us before he moves or before he does anything. Uh, nonetheless, he created this earth for us and he put it under our charge. That's how God works. Think of it this way. Let, let's, say, uh, let's say you were renting a home from me. Let's say I owned a home and you were renting it. And, uh, you know, I would never show up at that home and just walk in uninvited. Reminds me of a story one time, uh, my first church I was pastoring, uh, they had a parsonage and uh, we found out that the, the trustees had a key to the parsonage so they could come in and check on things from time to time. So I changed the locks, they all, the whole town was buzzing I'll tell you, but I changed the locks. I don't care who owns the home, you're not coming into my space uninvited. That's how it is with God. I mean, let's think, if, you, if I owned a home and you were renting it from me and you showed up, uh, I don't know, a couple of nights a week and I was kicked back in your lazy boy with the remote saying, hey, what's for dinner? That'd become a problem, wouldn't it? Would that become a problem? Yeah, fast. It would become a problem fast. 
That's exactly the way God works. He wants to come in, but He's not coming in unless He's invited. He's not coming into our life. He's not going to manifest His presence. He's not going to move in our church services. He's not going to move in our homes, among our families, unless He is invited to do that. It's a privilege to host the Holy Spirit. It's also a great responsibility I think you prayed earlier that we needed to get undignified. Yeah, the, the problem, I think, in our culture today is we like this dignified version of God, you know, that looks like us, that dresses like we do, that, that likes the same kind of music that we like, that votes the same way we vote, you know, that watches the same things we watch. We like a God made in our own image, let's just be honest. There's no such thing as a politically correct Jesus. You understand? No such thing. We love this version of Jesus that's nice and safe and diplomatic and never causes any trouble. My friends, the longer and the closer I follow Jesus, the more trouble I get into. That's the kind of God He is. He is not a tamed God, but He's a good God. It won't be the safest journey you'll ever take. It'll be the adventure of a lifetime, and it'll be the best thing that ever happened in your life. Let's stop trying. We become poor hosts when we try to squeeze God into our preconceived notions. Come to Him and learn to rest in His presence. Let Him lead. Let Him guide. Just invite Him in and let Him do the rest. He'll talk to you if you'll cut the noise down. But the problem is, is we've got noise blaring from every direction. I mean, it's on the phone. Man, it's on the road. It's on the radio. I mean, the country's divided. The TV's blaring. Our, our worldview's being reshaped like never before. And we've got so much noise going on that we can't hear the small, still voice. But He still wants to speak. He's tapping you on the shoulder tonight. It's a sacred responsibility, and we need to learn to live with a sacred awareness. Amen? But not only that, we need to refuse to live with stale spirituality. We don't serve a dead God, we serve a living God. I told you today, Jesus went to the cross, but he didn't stay on the cross. He went to the grave, but hallelujah, he didn't stay in the grave. On the third day, he rose up from the grave, victorious. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he did that for you and me, hallelujah. And one day he's going to step out on the cloud and the trump of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we which remain are going to be together with him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. He, he died to give us life but he lives to give us hope. Praise his name. Man, we serve a living God. And I can't tell you, oh, we're planting a lot of churches in Kentucky. It's just, it's, it's just this simple. Either we're going to plant new churches and see the Holy Spirit move in the life of the church or I'm going to do something else. I don't have time to waste managing dying churches when we serve a living Jesus. How can I manage dying churches when Jesus is alive, seated at the right hand of God the Father? And He's still saving souls. He's still transforming lives. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what He's done through the centuries, He wants to do it again today. 
I'm not going to live with stale spirituality. Oh, but I know Brother Roland and myself and our colleagues, we go through this. We go through it. Oh, man, I got some churches, they're dying. You know, I go in and talk to them and they're just like, Oh, pastor, we just, we ODS, we want to have it like it used to be. That old time religion. You know. Praise God for old time religion. Hallelujah. I, I love it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm an old spirit and a young body, to be honest with you. But God didn't just move back then in the 80s and the 70s. He's moving now. Yeah, you don't believe me? Follow me around Kentucky. I'll take some places he's moving where lives are being transformed. I'll take you to a place down in Burksville, Kentucky where you blink your eyes, you'll miss the whole town. In an old family dollar store, they started it three years ago with 10 people. Now they're running about 300 and almost all of them are new converts to Jesus Christ. They're a good host. And no offense, to, I go to a lot of these churches and, oh man, we got to remodel. We got we to get something new. We got to do something to draw the people. The only thing that's going to draw the people is the Holy Spirit. I don't care where you meet or what you do, when the presence of God starts making himself known among John Wesley said, set me on fire with God and people will come from miles around to watch me burn. You let this place start burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit and you'll wake up Muncie, Indiana. But these people, they live with stale spirituality in so many of these churches and they don't understand, oh, why is the church in decline? Why is it dying? Because you've got a stronghold on it. And you're trying to bottle something up that doesn't exist anymore. That day is gone. It's gone. It's not coming back. And then you got those people. There's another end of that spectrum, you know. There are some who think that God somehow needs their help in the relevance department. You know, some, somehow Jesus needs their help Relate, you know, Jesus, he can't relate with this postmodern world we live in. I mean, come on. He needs our help, you know. We got to dress him different. <laughs> you know, we, we got to give it a new image. We, we got to make it look different. You know, more contemporary, more current. Uh, more Friends, let me tell you something. Jesus is always relevant. <laughs> in fact, he is more contemporary and current and relevant than anything else in the universe. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are ageless. God is relevance at its best. Hallelujah. You say, were well, you preaching against the old way and, and the new way? No. I'm just saying, find out what it is God's wanting you to do. Do that with all your heart and never give in and let God make himself known. Man, all this energy we waste fighting about this and that and uh, carpets. And man, I, I, I refuse years ago. I'm never fighting another one of those battles in any church. If the best thing some church leader's got to talk to me about is the color of a wall, you can go talk to the wall because I'm not talking to you about it. It is a waste of breath. And God give me that breath and I'm not wasting it on that. One of the most foolish thoughts I've ever heard in my life is that somehow a God who is now, who is, om you know he's omnipresent, right? He's here now with us tonight. You know he's here tonight. He's here tonight. Whether we acknowledge that or not does not change who he is. The most foolish things I've ever heard is a God who is now somehow needs our help being relevant. And I'll tell you this, a church may lose its relevancy, but God never will. And the gospel will never lose its power. And the cross will never lose its ability to, for, to offer the forgiveness of sins and changed and transformed lives. And, 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 and we are never relevant because we mirror the culture. 
Never. We're only relevant when we become the thing the world longs for. His presence. <laughs> if you think you know what God is and it can't be found in the person of Jesus. If you think you know what God likes and it can't be found in the person of Jesus. If what you think you may know about God cannot be found in the person of Jesus, we got every reason to question it. Because Jesus is the only standard. He's the only standard. So I wonder today if Jesus is the standard, then are we bringing up disciples in the image of Jesus? You know, Jesus was far more radical than anybody I know in any church anywhere right now today, right? He would scare us to death. You know, Jesus prayed. I heard Jim Cimbala, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, one of my favorites, uh, say many years ago at a conference, he said after he had done some research, I forget what company he used to do the research, uh, but that the average church corporately in America prays together corporately less than five minutes a week. We, we got a church in Cali, Columbia. <laughs> yeah. You know how long they pray? All night. <laughs> thousands of them. <laughs> you know what they do at the Brooklyn Tabernacle on Tuesdays? Every, thousands gather and pray for hours. One of the things we're doing in Kentucky, every church has to have a serious time dedicated to corporate prayer. When we get together, I've stopped bringing in any kind of, you know, growth gurus. We don't need any more growth gurus. We need to get on our face and get desperate for Jesus to show up. He's the teacher. He's the equipper. So what I'm doing is just teaching them how to pray. You know why we can't pray? Because we can't stay focused on anything for longer than a few seconds. Do we know that the devil's working in the details here when it comes to this culture? I had a guy in a church I pastored some time ago, and I don't even know where he came from. I have no idea where he's at today, but his name was Max. And Max was a thorn in my side, but he helped me. You ever had that? Uh, somebody will come along in your life, and you're like, oh, man, where'd this guy come from? And he just bugging you all the time. Max lived at the homeless shelter, rode his bike to the church, and oh, I always would put his bike in the back of my car and take him back to the shelter and go buy him lunch. And uh, all he ever wanted to talk about was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here I am, the pastor. Why am I upset with Max? Because all he wants to talk about is Jesus. And Max one day showed up to church with a stopwatch timer of some sort, walked up to me, drug me over to the corner and said, I want you to close your eyes. Okay, Max. I want you to focus on Jesus in your mind right now. And I want you to say stop anytime your mind shifts. Now be honest from Jesus to something else. And he hit start. And if I was being honest, I couldn't stay focused on Jesus or the words of Christ without my mind drifting to something else I got to do, something going on with the family, something going on less than three, three, four seconds at a time. I was ashamed of myself. I thank God for Max. <laughs> he was like one of those angels that just showed up out of nowhere and then vanished. <laughs> yeah. He made an impact on my life that I needed to learn to sit in the presence of Jesus. 
not only is it a sacred responsibility and not only do we need to learn to live with, without stale spirituality, to refuse to live with that, but finally we need to discover that there's power in hosting His presence. I, I don't know about you, but I believe everything the Bible teaches. Uh, you, you know, I, I'm, I've... I've made an academic journey and I've got earned degrees and I've got an earned doctorate and I've sat in many classrooms and under many professors and, and I love a lot of what they teach but even the Christian Academy denies a lot of the miracles they want to explain it away you know what I say to that lack of faith I say do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day oh yeah well I believe that well if you can believe that the rest is easy my friend I believe he did everything that the Bible says he did and I believe he's going to come back and do everything it says he's going to do but what I wonder is why we're not doing the things the Bible says we're able to do. We've lost touch with the power that comes with hosting his presence. That comes through a pure, intimate walk with Jesus I want to say this to you, I want you to hear me. This is the most important thing that I'm dealing with right now in my own life. Intimacy with Jesus is the key to success in your walk in this world. It's the key. I mean, I've got, you, you may say, man, you live a boring life. No, I live a thrilling life. I've got to where, you know what? I'm not against watching the movies. I'm not against going out with the family. I'm, I'm for all that stuff, and we got to do that stuff. But, man, we got to invite Jesus into all of it. There's never a break. I remember as a young pastor, I used to think, oh, I get a day off today. I get a break from all that, all that stuff. And God would show up and remind, well, you don't get a break from me. <laughs> There's never a break. If you're a host of the Holy Spirit, but you'll walk in the anointing and the power of God and you'll have the most peace and the most joy, you'll find more fulfillment in that walk than you'll find looking at anywhere else. I've tried it all, man. Every hobby, everything the world's got to offer, you can look, you can check into all that stuff. You'll never find it anywhere else other than intimacy with Jesus. I mean, knowing Him, not knowing about Him and allowing Him to know you. The deepest darkest parts of you power in the kingdom of God comes in the form of a person not a doctrine not a teaching not a seminar a person the presence of the Holy Spirit is the power of the kingdom living in you you need power for living? Become a good host. At Jesus' baptism, John writes this. I seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. And I believe that's John 1. I believe I have that PowerPoint wrong. Descending as a dove out of heaven. And he, what's that word? Say it. He remained upon him. I did not recognize him, John says, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and what? Remaining. This is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 
I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. You know, I've caught some flack because I contend for revival in the church. Because they say, oh, we don't need worked up emotionalism. And we don't. We don't need it. And I don't want it. But my friends, when the Holy Spirit descends and remains, it goes so much deeper than emotions could ever go. It goes to a place, it creates an atmosphere that, that we can't even explain. Now there will be emotions attached to it, but let me ask you something. What do you do in life that doesn't have emotions attached to it? Please tell me. Your football team loses, there's some emotions there, right? How's them Colts doing? <laughs> About the same as my Steelers, right? You go out on a date with, a, with your wife, you have a special day, there's emotions involved in that. Somebody passes away, there's emotions involved in that. How can we worship God without that feeling? Hmm. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit ascended on Jesus like a dove. And the scripture says he remained upon him. The Holy Spirit remained upon Jesus at his baptism. What must we do if we want the Holy Spirit to descend and remain? Would you come, brother? I can tell you a few things we can't do. Paul teaches in Ephesians 4 that we have the capacity, you listen to church, Ephesians 4, Paul says we have the capacity to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That word means to cause God sorrow. We've all felt sorrow, haven't we? We've all got people in our lives that we've lost. We have experienced deep grief. We've all had people that have hurt us. That's what sorrow is. And Paul says, I have the capacity to cause God sorrow. I don't want to do that. I can't be a good host to do that. Paul cranks it up a notch in 1 Thessalonians 5 and says, do not quench That, that word means to stop the flow of or to extinguish. You ever pulled a water hose around? You know you cut it on, but nothing will come out. What do you do? You trace it back. There's a kink in it, right? That's what it means to quench. I can't tell you how many times I've been in services where there's disobedient that's obvious. Quenches. That's why I'm so adamant about accountability, even in our own church, because I believe a little leaven leavens the whole. It quenches. I can't turn a blind eye to something that God's put his finger on 
and not deal with it without it quenching the Holy Spirit. We can't expect the Holy Spirit as a blessing in our life, in our family's life, in our church's life, in our community. If we're not willing to stand for the things He's called us to stand for and to do the things He's called us to do. Can you go to the next screen? You see that? I don't know how, but when Jesus was being baptized, the Lord descended in that form. Everybody take a good look at that. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Take a good look at that. I want you to just look at that. The Holy Spirit's here. And now I want you to close your eyes and I want to ask you a question. The Holy Spirit has descended and right now He's resting upon your life. The dove is sitting on your shoulder. Now what are you going to do if you want Him to remain? He remained on Jesus. I don't want him to go away. <laughs> I want to walk with him right there. And some might say, oh, well, i got to be careful. I, yeah, that's, that's part of it, but I think it's deeper than that. I think truly what we've got to do if we want the Holy Spirit to remain is we've got to walk with a constant awareness that he's there. If you want to renew... Your awareness of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be filled afresh. We still believe people can be filled. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sanctified holy. I want you to come tonight. And we're going to pray with you. That you'll receive a fresh touch. You can acknowledge that God has opened your eyes in a fresh way. And you know what else I want to ask you? If you're willing to be a conduit of revival. For this church and this community, I want you to come. I want you to come. Amen. One reason I press coming is simply this. Because it's never going to happen if we just keep doing the same thing we always do. It's never going to happen. If the Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart tonight, I would like to invite you to come. We're going to gather here in this place in close proximity to one another and we're going to cry out to Jesus. That's how we're going to end this thing. We're going to cry out for Him to do it again. Amen? For Him to do it again. And if you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to stand and praise Him, you can stand and praise Him. If you need to be seated where you're at, that's fine. If you want to come forward and just be seated, you say, I can't kneel. Then come and sit. Just let's get in proximity to one another. See, we got to admit that there's still a lot of individuality. We can slip into a church service and slip right out under the radar. But when we come pressed in together, oh man, the person beside us, they know we're standing unified in what God wants to do. That's why this altar is important. That's why it's important. Amen. Thank God. Let's sing. Let's sing. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you and we honor you.
We honor you, Lord. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Oh, God, we thank you, God, for who you are. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Hallelujah. Hold on a minute, brother. You know, I just feel like the Lord wants me to do this. Because this is what we're doing all over Kentucky and it's changing things. I know some of you are kneeling and you're praying. I want you all to stand and just move right here together. Take the hand of somebody beside you. Take the hand of somebody beside you. You just keep playing, brother. Come on in. Close in. Take the hand of somebody beside you. Lay your hand on their shoulder. Put your arm around them. Give them a kiss if you want to. I don't care. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Come over here. Come over here. Fill in all these gaps. You don't have to just fill in all these gaps right here. Go down the middle. I'm not saying you have to form a line. Just I don't care where you stand. Just close in. Close proximity. Don't leave a gap. Close, come up here. Just close in. Close in. I'm teaching, this is so simple. This is so simple. Uh, close in, come on, forget this hole right here. No, 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 no. Y'all can turn this way if you want. Turn this way so somebody lay their hand on your shoulder. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There we go, we're not facing it. They might think you're gonna kiss them if you get too close, but. Eh. We're teaching our people to pray all over Kentucky and I wanna pray with you tonight. And it's a simple prayer. It's, it's the acronym ACTS, and many of you have probably heard it. There are many models for prayer, but this is changing every church in Kentucky that's embracing it. This right here, gathering in close proximity, because for one thing, when you get together like this, there's an intimacy that's not there when you're out there spread out. It's not there. And when you come together like this, that intimacy creates a sense of unity. And besides, when you've got your hand on somebody praying for them, you're opening up your heart where they can hear it. That's a good thing. And there's power in the laying on of hands. And so the first thing we do in this acronym, ACTS, is the A is adoration or praise. So we just adore Jesus. Let me ask you, church. Can you bow your head and close your eyes with your hand on somebody's shoulder? Do you have anything that you can just praise Jesus for? Then go ahead and do it. Let's do it. Close your eyes. Lord, we praise you tonight because of who you are, Lord. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, we thank you that you are forever seated on the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us, God. Lord, we thank you that you came and died on a cross that you shed your blood, Lord, so that we could have life everlasting, Lord. You are a good, good Father. Amen. Is God good? Tell Him how good He is. You are a good, good Father, Lord. We thank You. You are so good to us, so much better than we deserve. And we thank You for Your goodness, Lord. We thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your grace, God. Lord, You've said that not one promise that you've given us in your word will fall to the ground without accomplishing divine purposes. And God, we believe you tonight like we've never believed you before. We believe you are exceedingly and abundantly above being able to do anything that we can think or even ask, God. Anything we can fathom, God, we thank you that you work on our behalf in greater measures. 
Lord, we thank you that all things work together for good to those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. The C part of this prayer is confession. And this is the hardest part for the church. Especially the holiness movement. Because entire sanctification has become our eternal security. That's right. I had a guy tell me in college that he hadn't sinned in 40 years. I said, you're sinning now, you're lying. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is a gift of God. And when you're sanctified, if there's an attitude, if there's a word, if there's a, uh, something between you and another person, you are quick to make that right because the Holy Spirit is abiding. He's resting on your life, right? The only time revival has, any time revival breaks out is because there's a repentance of God's people that's taking place throughout His Word. An individual repentance and a corporate repentance. So what I want you to do right now is something real brave. I want you to confess it to God aloud. Whatever it is, He'll bless it, He'll honor it. And the people around you will pray for you and I'm going to do the same thing, all right? Let's pray. Lord, we confess our faults to you, God. Lord, I, I, want, I ask you to forgive me for my impatience, God. I am so impatient when it comes to finishing things, God. I, I get in such a hurry and sometimes, Lord, I don't consider other people as that process takes place. And God, I want to do better. God, I want to do better. God, forgive me for my, the busyness of my life. God, forgive me for, for my life. It's always so full of stuff. And God, I, I feel convicted because I don't get to give my kids uh, the attention that I feel like they deserve, God. I want to be a better father and a better husband, God. And, and Lord, I pray that you would forgive us as a church for not praying enough, God. We don't pray enough, Lord. Forgive us, God, for not praying. Forgive us for making church just something else on the to-do list, God. God, we repent. Lord, forgive us for getting antsy when an hour's passed and we can't wait to get outside the doors, God. Forgive us, God. Lord, forgive us for not being loving enough to the people you've put in our life. Lord, forgive us for not sharing the gospel to someone that you've brought into our life that desperately needs it. Forgive us, Lord, of our criticism. Forgive us, God, for not taking a stand when we need to. Forgive us, God. Lord, forgive us for calling ourselves a Christian and then going out of here and not living like one. Lord, we take your name in vain when we do that. We trample the Son of God underfoot. Forgive us, oh God. Help us to live like you tomorrow, Lord. Full of the Holy Spirit. Set us apart, God. We want to walk in intimacy with Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. The next part of this prayer is thanksgiving. That's one thing to praise God for who He is. It's another thing to thank Him for what He's done for you. 
You got anything you can thank him for? Do it. Thank him. Lord, I thank you for the air in my lungs. <laughs> God, I, I thank you for my family, God. I thank you for my children. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the church of the Nazarene, Lord. Lord. Lord, I thank you that I've got food to eat, God. I thank you that there's clothes on my back, God, when so many places in the world don't have those luxuries. God, I, I, I thank you that you've met all my needs, God. Lord, I, I thank you, God, that I've got a, a fine home to live in, an automobile to drive. God, I thank you for the friends in my life. God, you've given me so many good friends. Lord, I thank you that Jesus died for me. Lord, I thank you that on no, in November of 1989, he completely changed my life. He saved me. Lord, I, I thank you that, that you've saved my wife and several of my kids, Lord. I, I thank you for my mother and my father and my family. Lord, I thank you for my grandmother who left this world many years ago, but if it wasn't for her, I don't know if, if me or any of my brothers or anybody would be doing what we're doing today. And so we thank you, God. We're, we're grateful. We're grateful, God. We could go on and on. We're grateful. Now the last part of this prayer is supplication, which means praying for others. And one night this week, I want to have a healing service where, you know, we believe God still heals. That's not a radical thought. It's all the way through. All right, we'll anoint you tonight. You got oil? Yeah. We'll pray for you whether we got it or not. Brother Terry's got some. See, a good DS carries the oil in his pocket. I'm learning something tonight. That's annoying our brother. What's your name, brother? Daryl. Let's gather around. Lay hands on Daryl. Do you believe, don't lay hands on anybody unless you believe God can heal Daryl. Amen. But if you believe, lay your hand on somebody's back right now. Lord, I pray for my brother Daryl in the name of Jesus. God, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness. There's no pain in heaven, God. And may it be so here, God. I pray that you'd restore him. I pray against the sickness. I pray against the pain. I pray against anything that's causing any sort of ailment to his body, physically, emotionally, or any other way. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. We anoint you now in Christ's name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I cannot tell you how many times we've done this. And there'll be reports of praise flow back in in the coming weeks. Sometimes even immediately. I've got a story of healing where I had a migraine headache. I was preaching revival just like this. They prayed for me and anointed me with oil in the pastor's office. I came in, could hardly bear the sound of the music. This was a, like a year and a half ago in Kansas. And I, I, did, I thought the pastor was going to have to preach. 
And I stood up behind the pulpit, and as soon as I opened the Bible, the headache went away immediately. And I preached longer that night than I've ever preached in my life. <laughs> Even longer than tonight. <laughs> if you know anybody that needs healing, why don't we just plan for tomorrow night? We'll have a healing service at the end, all right? So if it's you or you want to bring somebody, and we're going to also intercede on behalf of others. So, I, I mean, you know... <laughs> You know what we did yesterday in Kentucky? We met in Elizabethtown. We call it a prayer summit. Any pastor and leader that wants to come, I don't know, there's about 70 people there yesterday, and we just get in a room at one of our churches about once every three months and do this. That's it. We don't preach, don't teach. We pray. That's all we do. And so, uh, and then we anoint, and we ask God to move. This is the church. This is normal Christianity. Okay. This is not some abnormal thing. You think, oh, this is weird. No, this is what happened in the Bible, even greater things than this. This is what we need to happen in every church all over the world. He don't feel any pain right now. There's no pain. Praise God. Let me just say this. Forget tomorrow night. You need healing tonight. Let's just do it. I'm trying not to like scare you or overwhelm you. And some of you are saying, oh man, I'm not coming back to this tomorrow. You'll just have to get over it. <laughs> when we bow our heads to pray this next time, if you've got to slip out, then go do it. I don't th there's nothing else i got to go do except go down to Best Western. So I'm cool. I'm cool with staying here. All right. Who else needs prayer? Anybody? Praise God for this. Anybody need prayer for healing, for anything, for any sort of pain, anything going on? All right, make your way if you need prayer right here to the middle. And he's going to get the oil, I believe. <laughs> well, I ask our brother, come up here, brother, and help us. Brother Roland's going to help us pray, too. Praise God. You know, we do this. Sometimes, uh, I remember when I first started learning how to pray like this, I tried to stand on the edge, but now I like to get right in the middle. You know, I'm just like, let me get in the middle. <laughs> you know? <laughs> But uh, he, is he getting some anointing oil? Do you have some more? Yeah. Oh, it broke. Oh, my goodness. Here he comes. Part the sea. Here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. Let's, uh, you tell us, you share with us what the need is, and uh, we're going to just, all of us are going to pray for you. So what are you, what are we praying for? Okay. Let's lay hands on him and pray. Caleb. In the name of Jesus, heal him, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus, we ask that you heal Caleb right now. Sickness has no authority in his life. On earth as it is in heaven right now. Sickness be gone. Heal him. Heal him. Heal him. Healing. Amen. Praise God. We believe it with all of our heart. God, you are the great physician. You are able. Heal him right now. This is, who needs prayer? Tell us what. Arthur, aches and pains and arthritis. Lord, we lift Diane up to you, Lord.
In the name of Jesus, God, heal her. Sickness be gone in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, get up and walk. Be gone. Any hindrance to her physically, be gone. Amen. 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 It's done in Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. In Jesus' name, may it be so. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think we was praying for her too. Did you need prayer, sister? Somebody. Yeah, here. In the name of Jesus, sickness be gone in Jesus' name. Make her whole in Jesus' name, Lord. We believe. We have faith. Get up and walk. Get up and walk in Jesus' name. Sickness be gone in Jesus' name. It is done. It is done in Jesus' powerful and holy name, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. She's healed in the name of Je- in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Pray for her. I wasn't going to do it. And somebody else, come on forward, brother. Lay your hands on this, our sister right here. Yeah, but lay it. We're going to pray for her, then for you. <laughs> come on, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven, in the name of Jesus. We praise you, Father. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. May it be so in Jesus' name. Sickness be gone in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And our brother right here. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Bless him. Hallelujah. It's pain. Yeah. Pain be gone. Pain be gone in Jesus' name. We believe you, God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. No cancer in the name of Jesus. Complete healing, God. Complete healing. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift him up, church. Lift him up. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> praise God. You know why? Now, I know there's some younger people here, and I thank God for you, but you know why this generation following us don't believe this way is because they haven't experienced the presence of God this way it's the truth we need to do this as much as we can this is corporately being a good host of the Holy Spirit yeah right, we're going to do this every night we're going to do it every night yeah bring your friends that's right be a good host of the Holy Spirit too individually tomorrow I was walking into Walmart a, a couple of, well, about six or eight months ago, and as I walked, you know how the Walmart will have the, the hair salon or something, you know what I'm talking about? And like, there was just this wailing as soon as I walked in, and I thought immediately, oh no, I got to hurry up and get away from here because somebody's going to need something. You know what I'm talking about? Like trying to avoid. Yeah. And I didn't get to aisle three before the Holy Spirit fell and said, what are you doing? Go back. See, I have to host that, right? So what I have to do, I had to go back, and you know, you had all these, like there's four or five hairdressers, and I mean, these are like really cool hairdressers. I mean, you know, they got the wild hair and the tattoos. They're cool people, you know. And there's one little lady that's just got a call on her cell phone, and her brother had died. And they didn't know what to do. And I just walked in, and I knew what to do. I'm a pastor. And I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, what's your name? She said, Wanda. And she told me what had happened. And I said, come here. There was nobody else in there but Wanda and these hairdressers. And so I got all the cool hairdressers over there. And we gathered around Wanda. And they was looking at me like they'd been caught. I said, we're going to pray, right? We're going to pray. Amen. And we just prayed that roof off the hair salon. I prayed. They all looked at me like this. But they held hands around Wanda. Amen. Wanda got my number and later ended up going to one of our Nazarene churches. And every time I walk in Walmart there, now the little hairdresser says, hey, there's the preacher. Right. Amen. God will use any of those little circumstances. If you, I got so many stories. I could literally tell them to you all night long. If you'll be a host, God will use you in the smallest of ways. And then you come here and we host God corporately. We're filled and empowered to go out there and host Him as individuals. Amen. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. first time I ever heard this song was today talking about being free in Jesus so right here together let's sing one verse and then let's go and come back tomorrow at 630 all right one verse let's just take the roof off this let's praise Jesus for what he's done here tonight amen let's sing brother
Praise God. Release from my chains, I'm a prisoner, no. My shame was a rain to pay for evil.